Hey guys, I'm Danny. And I'm EJ. And this is the Your Living Proof Podcast. Where we talk about addiction and how it affects the family, from the brutal to the beautiful and everything in between. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Your Living Proof Podcast. My name is Danny. Hopefully you know that by now. And I'm EJ. That's you right. definitely know that by now. Yeah, I'm sure everybody does. It's hard to forget. That's right. If you've met her, you know. But hey, we're, we're, we're excited to be back with another episode. I can't believe we've done a couple of these now, right? Yep. We're on 18. 18. Wow. Feels right. Yes. So hey, last time, I don't know if you caught our last episode, but it was about disruption, right? And what yep. do you always say? That disruption and growth are companions. Disruption and growth. See, there it is again. Did you hear it? If you're listening, please say that word three times and tell me it doesn't sound funny. Disruption. It only sounds funny to you. Disruption. I swear. Shop, shop, shop. I don't shop, understand. Shop. But it does. Like it sounds like I can't speak correctly when I say it, but it's a very important word. Disruption. So Danny and I were talking this weekend on a little road trip and it came to me like the thought that if you didn't listen to last week's episode go back and listen to it so that all of this makes a lot more sense because we went more into depth. But truly, families are the bridge between a person being able to make progress that is addicted to any substance. They are the bridge to that new pathway because the person who is in active addiction literally cannot access their right frame of mind. And so it takes the, the family being committed and being brave enough to be that bridge between what's happening and what needs to happen for a time period. They have to be that. Yeah, they do. And it's it's by far the, the healthiest and most beautiful bridge. Yeah. Because the other bridges are typically court orders from a judge, maybe consequences from an employer where it's this forced, right? you know, bridge. But the family can be the healthiest, most natural way for this to happen. Yeah. And but it's it requires them to be, happens. yeah, it requires them to be this, the disruption. Last week, I, I had an intervention with a family. Absolutely incredible, dynamic family. Inside this family, there were all walks of life. I mean, everyone in this family was successful, educated, very driven, had accomplished so many things in life. And so the individual who we were attempting to help, was the son of some of them, the brother of some of them, and the husband of someone. And right before we started the meeting and before he came, because he was actually there with us, she said to the group, you guys, we have to be the disruption. Yeah, she had, she had listened. Yeah, and it was so powerful because she understood. And people get hung up not understanding why. A lot of times they think, well, the person needs to do it themselves or it's this or it's that, or they really need to want it. There are so many excuses, but in order for something to change, there has to be a disruption, right? There has to be. So we hope you listened to that last week. I can honestly say all the families who I've worked with, we try to do the same thing. And every single family that has changed the dynamic. And what I mean by that is there was a very unhealthy way of living. Either someone's life was deteriorating and they were bringing the rest of the family down with them, or they're just cooped up in someone's basement doing drugs 
and the whole family's just stuck, stuck in this terrible situation. There are lots of ways and paths to get out of that. People receive different types of treatment. They do different types of, of recovery plans. But every person that had some forward momentum was caused by... A disruption. A disruption. Yeah. It started with some sort of disruption. Nope, no longer are we going to do this. As terrifying as it is to move forward, we're not going to do this anymore. Right. Anyway, on a positive note, I got to share something before we get going on today's topic. This morning, I woke up to a text and the text came from, you know, across the country. So two different time zones away from me. And it's with a family I've been working with for a while. The person in this home who decided to be the disruption was the sister. Mm-hmm. So she reached out and then I began working with her and her parents and the rest of the family. It was a long process with someone who was really sick. And anyway, she began the process by being the disruption. We derived a plan for him to get help. And he actually was this getting is her brother. Yeah. So after I won't bore you with all the details, but it was a long process. Anyway, the plan that we had prepared was for him to come out here mm-hmm. um, based upon lots of different criteria and their insurance being one of them. There was a place out here in Utah that was a perfect fit. So I get a text this morning. It's 7 a.m. He made it. I cannot believe it. He made it to detox. He boarded the plane and got there. The driver from the detox texted me last night after he picked him up at the airport and told me they had arrived. So obviously she's just elated, right? And so I'm happy for her. I know there's still a mountain to climb in front of us. But all that came because he was the disruption. She was. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. She was. But you want to know what's crazy about addiction, how powerful it is? I wanted to just share that part because that was the triumphant part. I reached out to the treatment center where he's planning to go. Mm-hmm. And I informed him, hey, you might be aware already, but so-and-so made it to the airport. They're in detox. I'm so excited. There's so much failure in recovery that when we do get these moments of achievement, achievement, yeah. you know, these milestones, we got to celebrate them. We need to rejoice. And she's like, I agree. This is so great. I'll keep you in the loop. And I was like, awesome. I went to the gym and yeah. came home and looked at my phone. And it was 45 minutes later that she tells me he's been discharged from detox for sneaking drugs into the facility. We're going to have to inform his sister and the rest of their family. Few minutes later, I get a text from his sister who began this whole process. It says, I am crushed. I am devastated. I'm in disbelief and don't know what to do right now. The ironic part is when the treatment center had called, I said, Oh, what did he do? Yeah. Did he put some drugs inside of a balloon and shove it up his butt? And she's like, Uh, I don't know what he did, but um, we'll find out some more details and get back to you. So the sister, again, texting me a few minutes later, who's in disbelief, says he actually put drugs into a balloon and shoved them up his butt. I'm not kidding you. Word for word. That is the world of addiction. That is a typical act, thought, or process that someone in addiction would do. For the rest of the world, for anyone else who is not in that situation, what does that sound like? It sounds like the utter depths of the ugliest parts of humanity. I mean, to to me, I cannot comprehend being that desperate. I can't. I can't. 
So the insanity of addiction is real. And there's a lot of different aspects. One, in his mind, he wants to change, right? Right. There might even be that possibility, a glimmer of hope that maybe I could. So I'm going to put a foot forward and try to do something difficult. However, you're hindered by that fear, that anxiety, not being able to function without your substance. Well, so, is what we talked about again in last podcast. Yes. That's exactly it. I want to, but I'm so terrified of what's on the other side of that. I have a backup plan. Yep. And the backup plan is making sure that I have my precious items inserted into a rubber balloon that will not dissolve in my stomach. And I just put it up my butt. So to me, I've never been addicted to a substance. So to me, I'm literally like, that's mind She's blowing. just addicted to me. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yep. Yep. She you is. and Air Force Ones. Wow. Um, okay. So, but I, seriously. I'm just grateful you admitted it finally. And we're not going to cut that out okay. because she just said okay, me and something else. I don't care what the something else is, but she said me. Okay, guys, it's true. So but true. for real, that maybe it's unhealthy, but. So I just use that example to reiterate because that was just an event that happened today. Just and, today. And I, like, I get these events every single day. Nothing shocks me anymore. Nothing concerns me. Nothing even makes my eyebrow raise whatsoever. I can say that that's true, but it always shocks me. I just want you, if you're listening, to remember that those things, as crazy as what we just shared, are happening with your loved one, with that person you care about. And it just goes to show what kind of disruption it's going to take. That's right. And I love that this sister that has had the courage to reach out to you and work with you she knows this is a setback, but she's mentally prepared to continue on the path that she, you have laid out, right? Yeah, she's going into this with her eyes wide open, knowing there's going to be a lot of challenges. Yeah. It's going to take time to heal. It's going to be messy. There's no quick fix. So it's real, okay? And, you know, here in some episodes moving forward, we're going to have some other people to share some testimonials about the insanity that they've experienced. Yeah. And the amount of disruption it took from them. Right. I hope everyone listening understands that that is the difference in what we are doing and what I really try to help families do. I try to help them be the disruption, not waiting on this magical day, not sitting there with our heads buried in the sand until that disruption is court order or a judge or some terrible consequence. Right. I just want families to understand they can be the disruption. Doesn't seem fair. Actually, it seems backwards at first, but once they see it, they understand that they have the best chance to change right. the outcome for their loved one. And it feels like we say this all the time, but truly, like that is what sets what we are doing apart from what I've ever seen or heard of is we're really focused on supporting and educating the families who are surrounding this loved one that is an active addiction they need the most help yeah they do and it's just crushing people so you know today's episode <clears throat> i just want everyone to let me clear my throat real quick it's another heavy topic but it's one that if we don't start talking about more it's going to just continue to gain momentum September. We are in September. I cannot believe that. Yeah. We just spent some time depressing. in the mountains as a family and all the leaves were changing colors. But September's a month where we talk about a topic that's affecting a lot of people in our society and it's suicide. It's suicide awareness month. It is. And 
we hope to do more than bring awareness. We want to maybe share one or two resources because suicide and addiction have so many of the same underlying right concepts. Yeah, they really, really do. So let's just start out by just sharing a few just statistics, U.S. statistics, okay? So suicide is the second leading cause of death of individuals ages 10 to 34. That right there is just unbelievable. 10. The second leading cause of death between young adults. And then this one just blew my mind so much. Because suicide rates have actually increased by 60%, 60 in the last 50 years. When you think about what's happened in our lives, in the generations that have passed in 50 years, all I see is we have it easy. (laughs) We have life so much easier than our parents or grandparents, yet we are more unhappy than ever before, apparently, because 60% is a big number. Yeah, we've become more efficient. Things are easier. We've, we've actually just improved things so much. However, it's not making us happy, it's cl- not. clearly. And then the last one that I want to share was just the depression is the world's leading cause, the world's leading cause for disability. Yeah, and that's over heart disease. That's crazy. As a globe, the number one cause for disability is depression. Those three are big ones. We were looking at a lot of statistics, and of course, there's a million ways to look at statistics. I have my own personal opinion about statistics because they do change depending on what you look. Sure. I'm going to link where I grab these statistics from. One's from a book. Yeah, if anyone's curious. One's from a website. So, And it doesn't matter where you look. They do change a little bit, and people focus on different aspects of statistics. But the bottom line is it's a serious problem. The bottom line is no matter what, being the second leading cause of death between people 10 and 34, that is something. Yeah. There's also a real confusing line between overdose and suicide Mm -hmm. that we can talk about later. Yeah. I've just had firsthand experience with, with so many times. And so they're very similar as well. Yeah. But they're two completely different statistics. Right. So... I think what we wanted to focus on really today was, again, talking about how can we as parents, as adults, do better inside of our own homes? Yeah, again, what's one or two things we to improve this? And for Danny and I, we will always go back to our secrets keep us sick. It is the most important thing that we can do as parents or as adults, to create a home in which we don't have secrets. We talk about our problems. We talk about our struggles. We are open, right? And that's why our secrets keep us sick is truly a life-changing and life-saving strategy. It is. applies to both, right? Because something's hurting. Something is unbearable inside. Right. Which either manifests itself in someone becoming so desperate that they take their life because they can't see a way out. Or they resort to a chemical solution. Right. And which I, inevitably has the same. W- yeah, which is more of a slow. Long drawn out. But I think for me, I just want to focus on the fact that as parents, we are responsible for the culture that exists inside the walls of our home. 
and we can have the best of intentions and we can say all the words, but if when things get hard and hard to hear and hard to see, if our response doesn't line up with what we have been saying we believe, that's toxic. And parents need to be prepared to have those difficult conversations and to not collapse when maybe one of their children comes to them with something heavy or something that they just simply don't understand. I think a lot about my parents and the way that they treated me when I came home pregnant. They were disappointed I was not married. I'm positive that they were disappointed. I'm positive that was the last thing they wanted their daughter that was attending BYU to come home and say to them, especially after all the sacrifices they made to allow me to go to school. But their response to me was not one that caused me to feel like I had no options or no way out. Their response to me was, we love you. We're going to do what we always said we would do, and we're going to support you no matter what. No matter if that looks like something that's hard for us and hard for you, we're here. And so that's my message today is that culture is up to us as parents. I, I think the practical application here is that they had been doing that already. Right. So when a moment, a traumatic moment like that occurred in their life, their response was a natural response because of how they had been living and how they had been doing. And I know, I know they're not perfect because you know, your parents, my parents, a lot of people from that generation, when certain topics were brought up, they were really difficult to discuss. Right. Right. And so that aspect lacked, I think we skirted around a lot of topics, Yeah. but how we're going to approach people and whether we're going to make them feel like they, you know, ashamed or whatever. Right. Was definitely something they had done well. Yes. And they had done over time so that when it came to those critical moments, they knew exactly how to act. I think about our own family right now with our children. Right now, our children are 11, 8, and 6. And so we're just constantly getting bombarded with all of these things, right? And a lot of them are childish and silly and not as important as the others. But when my son just runs by and one of them screaming, I need a drink, and the other one's got dirty shoes, and then my oldest son comes up to me while this is happening, Dad, what does it mean to be gay? Like, what does that mean? What, what does gay mean? That, for example, is hard because in a moment with so much going on, I just don't even want to deal with that, right? Right. It's a culture thing. So it's understanding that, oh, well, he asked a question. If I don't give him the response, we don't live in a culture anymore where he has to sneak into dad's office or the den and find the encyclopedia that has, you know, those old books yeah. used to be like A through C and then D through F. Yeah. You'd have to figure out which book it was in and then find it in the book he can quickly get these answers so what that means to me is i have to give him an answer yeah fairly soon or at least tell him son i want to i want to talk about that with you we're going to talk about it tonight after football or something yeah yeah but we're bombarded with our children at our age and so in order for us to create that culture it's similar to your parents they had to start doing it regularly right right wouldn't you say yeah i just think as parents, we say a lot of things, but then when the rubber hits the road, we have to act. Yeah, it's hard. According to that. And I think that's where a lot of challenges happen inside of homes is when the breakdowns start to happen or when difficult circumstances arise, how we respond to our children teaches them 
what our culture is more than anything else, and more so, than any other words you've ever said in the past when things weren't hard. Correct. And, and it, so one of the things we've talked about before several times is we have created this place in our home called the safe place. And it's somewhat of a quiet place it's back in our bedroom on this little green couch. And that's where we talk to our kids about difficult things. That's where they can grab our hand and invite us to go to talk about these things, which is also something like an assertive way that we've done to actually help ourselves be accountable. Right. Yeah. And to do those things. Definitely. So that's my, that's my thought on how, what, what's an immediate thing that we can do as parents and as adults is to create a culture inside of our home where there can be breakdowns that are supported with love and acceptance and, and not shame. Yeah. You can still have consequences for things that are done. Absolutely. It shouldn't have been done. Right. But the difference here is because what's, what's the alternative? If you create a culture where things can be talked about, you've created a safe place and people don't harbor secrets. Right. Secrets are what cause people to either take their life or become chemically dependent on something. Right. The opposite is talking about things, but it's difficult. Yeah, it, it it's truly is. inconvenient for me. That's the biggest word. It's inconvenient. I'm like, my hell, man, I have so much to do. I can sit down and talk about this. You have to. Right. Because the alternative is what a lot of families do. I will be the first one to say I've personally got to know families that avoid these topics. They'll kind of bury their head in the sand. They'll brush them off, act like it didn't happen or hope it just goes away. And it's not because of any bad intentions. They're, no. they're amazing. It's just maybe they don't quite know what to do. Mm-hmm. They don't feel prepared. Maybe they're caught off guard or they're a little bit scared yeah. to address certain topics. Yeah. Lots of moms don't want to sit and talk to their children about masturbation, right. about having an erection, mm-hmm. about sexual desires, about substances, about any of those things, because it's just not a heartwarming topic. So, but it is so critical to every child to be able to have that inside of their home, to have that safety, to have that access to a parent who's going to take the time, make the time, have the conversation and be that stability for them. Here's the difference. When you talk about it with them openly, you remove a really nasty concept from your home, which was is stigma, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Shame. Some of those big words. Because when someone does something and makes a mistake or brings up a very difficult topic and you don't address it, what does it do? It isolates you. Creates yeah, shame. It creates shame. It's like, ooh, that's not discussed or talked about. Well, what if it's affecting them? Oh, well, we don't talk about that. Right. Or that's not allowed. Mm-hmm. That just puts people down into this hole. And that's where people get stuck. And that's why it manifests itself in substance abuse and suicide. And the, the spin that I want to take on this is how directly correlated suicide and drug addiction are. You know, when I meet with families, one of the first three questions I ask them, and this might sound alarming, is, Okay, we got their name, date of birth, you know, maybe what's their drug of choice. Ask them a few other questions. But right away, I ask them, how often do they use suicide as a threat? How often do they threaten suicide? And I think if you're listening, a normal person would think, well, wow, that's. Yeah, that's scary. That's kind of scary. And that's right off the bat. But I will tell you that a majority, over 75% of the time, without hesitation, 
either the sister, the wife, the mom, the dad, whoever responds, you know, once in a while, or, you know, it's become a lot more frequent lately than it has been in the past. Yeah. But they use it often. I know that there are those. My brother lost his best friend to suicide when it, it was sudden. Mm-hmm. No one saw it coming. I'm sure their family members of this person, you know, could recognize signs afterwards. And maybe there's things they wish they would have done different, but it came on suddenly. And there are those unfortunate circumstances where people don't find a chemical solution or don't find any other coping mechanism, coping mechanism. And that's the only other way I strongly believe. And again, this is just opinion. Having had the personal raw experience I have with so many people is that that feeling that someone has inside where they go to take their own life is the same feeling that people in addiction have. They've just found a solution to prolong the inevitable. Right. I myself, speaking from personal experience, never had the courage to take my own life, nor did I really want to die. But my addiction, again, of many years, progressed to a point at the end, at the end of that addiction, where every single time I used, which was sometimes upwards of 50 times a day, You knew it could be your last. I was very well aware that that one insertion, when I squeezed that end of that needle into my arm, could very likely be the last. And you just accepted it. It wasn't the desire to die, but it was, it didn't matter. Mm -hmm. And so not everyone in addiction is to that point, but I do promise you that everyone in addiction will get to that point. We have alcoholics all over all around us and they're drinking themselves to death every single day. Suicide not only is something that's so destructive, that's just tragic beyond. I mean, what really is there worse to talk about? I mean, there's a, there's a handful of things in in that realm, but it's just one of the worst things to talk about taking your own life. Not only is it terrible, but it is used as a weapon in addiction. It's used as a very serious weapon. That weapon Mm -hmm. is to create fear. Right. And that fear keeps your spouse, your parents, the rest of your family. It keeps them stuck. If we do something, if we rock the boat, if we attempt to change, if we decide to be the disruption, that might be the end of them. Mm -hmm. Why? Because they've said it, they've expressed it. And now you're stuck because heaven forbid you move them out of your basement out of your home and tell them that they can no longer do drugs here. They've told you before that they might just kill themselves. And I think that that is such a powerful concept because it, it truly defines insanity and it creates a paradox for these families in which they either stay in a situation where they're completely shackled in in the insanity. They're participating in something that they don't agree with. And that isn't working for their family, anyone in their family, or they open door number three and they don't know what's behind it. Yeah. They have to be okay with the fear of the unknown. So most people will just choose to stick with, I'm just going to deal with this crazy insanity that I'm used to because it's predictable to me now. I'm actually used to kind of this rhythm of, of chaos and And craziness. And so I'm willing to accept that instead of face the possibility of an unknown outcome, which could be death. 
Yeah. And for years, I've just watched this story on repeat where these families get to this point, just like you described, where they're actually more comfortable just staying put. Yeah. Knowing that their loved ones doing drugs in their home, their life is completely dismantled. Yeah. But, you know, we've kind of got to this point where we're, we've got a hold of things. The chaos is, is something that we understand and we're comfortable with. Yeah. It's like one of our first episodes was learning to live with diarrhea. Yep. They just now become comfortable. That most unbearable, terrible thing. They're not going to make it through one night with becomes comfortable. Yeah. Becomes normal. So I don't want to discredit or distract here. I also wanted to, to revisit something I brought up earlier that there's this correlation between statistics that kind of drives me bonkers from a personal standpoint. I lost two of my closest friends growing up to drug overdose. I have in the last 14 and a half years heard from people I'm close with countless others who have lost loved ones to drug overdose as well. There's not a lot of difference between that alarming number of people who die from drug overdose is there is suicide, right? Something hurts so bad inside that someone either one takes their life or two develops an addiction that is a prolonged death. Mm-hmm. To me, they are the same. It's a desperate plea to escape this hell that they are in. And that will only come if you learn to be the disruption. It's the only way. It's also such a terrible, powerful thing that people use it as a weapon to keep you sitting right where you are, not doing anything to disrupt them. Right. So at the end of the day, to be blunt, you can choose to do nothing or you can choose to be the disruption. There's no guarantee in either one of those. Nope. But only one of them has a chance at a different outcome. And that's choosing to disrupt this current situation. So how do you do that? How do you effectively disrupt the situation where not only are we going to take a stand and say no longer are we doing that, but we're also simultaneously offering them, providing them with some legitimate help. That is what I do day in and day out. That is what Living Proof is based upon, is saying we're going to do something so damn hard, something virtually impossible, but simultaneously we are going to provide them with the first (laughs) real thought through thorough opportunity to get healthy. Right. And literally that concept was the pinnacle of what we used to create our online courses so that somebody in that state of mind where they're pulling their hair out and they literally feel like they could lose their loved one at any moment could sit in their bed in the comfort of their home and learn how this, the only chance you have is by following these steps. Yeah. Well, it's the only chance to change the outcome, right? Right. You do not have the power to save your loved one's life. No. But you do have the ability to provide an opportunity. I just want to say this thought came to me over the weekend that every parasite needs a host. And I know no one wants to think, oh, my loved one is not a parasite. I don't think they are either. But their addiction is. And as long as you're okay being the host there, it's going to keep growing. It's going to spread. It's going to get worse and worse and worse until you become that bridge. You decide on disruption 
and you do what it takes because they don't have the strength to do it yet. Eventually, they're going to have to take the wheel, but it won't be for a while. So you've got to be bold and you have to be ready to do that. Everything that will require and it will be everything you have. Yeah. So on our website, yourlivingproof.com, there's ways to contact us, reach out. But in order to learn how to be that disruption, we would love to help you through that journey, help support you to take that monumental step. I'm so grateful that there are months like this where we, we bring awareness to a subject, right? Yeah. It's always a pet peeve of mine to just like, oh, it's Suicide Awareness Month. Awareness what? Like, what are we doing, right? I know awareness in itself does help. Yeah. Because then people like us and thousands of others talk about this subject and we start to enlighten ourselves with different ways to, to help. But for us, it truly starts with creating that culture in your home, not avoiding difficult topics or conversations. Be the person, be the place where your loved ones, your family can discuss and navigate through these complex things in life. Yep. Don't let people harbor secrets. Secrets keep people sick. They keep you sick. Their secrets become your secrets. That's right. So I really hope that we can improve these terrible statistics. The statistics of how many people recover from addiction, the amount of people that are taking their life, because we all know the way society is right now. It's not getting better. No. What the world is doing to us, the pressures of it just literally stepping on our throat through the pressures of social media, work, finances, image, what we're supposed to have, what we feel like we lack. It's just getting heavier and heavier. Yep. So these topics we're talking about are only going to get bigger. Right. And more destructive. But we can create a culture inside of our home that filters all that crap out. Yeah. You've got to have that safe place. Shape the perception of all of those things inside of the walls of your home. I just have to say it is your purpose. If you are a parent, that's your purpose. That's your number one purpose. We make a lot of mistakes, but I'm grateful to have a wife and I that we can do that. We can be real and we can confront these issues with our kids because there's a lot of them. That's right. We're just very grateful you guys joined us today for another episode. And we look forward to seeing you guys next week. See you soon. Thanks. Thanks.